0: Welcome to True Crime Garage, wherever you are, whatever you are doing, thanks for listening. I'm your host, Nick, and with me, as always, is a man who shops exclusively at Dan Flashes in the shops at the Creek. Here is the cap.
1: I'm a man who likes to flash. It's good to be seen and good to see you. Thanks for listening. Thanks for telling a friend.
0: It's another delightful day here in the garage, and we are happy to be featuring foreign Raspberry Blonde by the unique folks over at Odd 13 Brewing in beautiful Lafayette, Colorado. This is a refreshing and lightly tart blonde ale made with hundreds of pounds of raspberries. ABV 6.3% garage grade, three and three quarter bottle caps out of five. And here's some cheers. To friends for helping us out with this week's beer fund. First up, a big cheers to Denny and Jamie from Fromberg, Montana.
1: And a big we like your jib goes to Anna in Tacoma, Washington.
0: And last but certainly not least, we have Morgan Morton in Gastonia, North Carolina. Everybody we just mentioned went to TrueCrimeGarage.com and helped us out with this week's beer fund. And for that, we thank you.
1: Yeah, B W W R U N beer run. If you like True Crime Garage... If you like Bob Ross, if you like douche canoes, then check out our new douche canoe hoodies and t-shirts in the store now. They're going to go fast. Check those out at TrueCrimeGarage.com. And Colonel, that's enough of the business.
0: All right, everybody, gather around, grab a chair, grab a beer. Let's talk some true crime. December 28th, 2017, Broomfield, Colorado, near Boulder. At 3:30 p.m., a 911 call comes into Broomfield Police. It's a male caller. His name is Joseph Marino. He's calling emergency services to report that his girlfriend, 19-year-old Natalie Bollinger, is missing. He believes Natalie left their home around noon. Then Joseph tells the dispatcher that Natalie's phone was left behind, so he has no way to contact her. She didn't take her coat, and he has no idea where she could be. He's very concerned. We've seen so many missing persons reports in the past that are largely ignored or downplayed by police. But here, Natalie's disappearance was of immediate concern, because six days before she vanished she had been issued a permanent restraining order against the man who Natalie claimed was stalking her. But there's more. Natalie's boyfriend told police that it wasn't just Natalie that was missing. Joseph's Glock 9mm pistol was gone as well. This is True Crime Garage, and this is the very mysterious case of Natalie Bollinger. police took Natalie's disappearance seriously right from Jump Street Captain. Law enforcement issued an appeal to the public to be on the lookout for Natalie. The bolo, the be on the lookout, described her as a Caucasian female age 19. She is listed at 4 foot 11 inches tall and weighs about 100 pounds. She has maroon colored hair. Very distinctive hair. Maroon colored hair and hazel eyes. She also has two facial piercings and a unique tattoo on her left forearm. Some have described this tattoo as something like a sunflower with a yin and yang symbol. That was on Thursday afternoon and into the evening. Family, friends, and police all out looking for this missing young woman. The next day, Friday, December 29th, a dairy farmer worker in Thornton, Colorado, came across a dead body in the woods just off of a dirt road. This was at East 116th Avenue and Riverdale Road. The hiker called the Adams County Sheriff's Office around 3.15 p.m. and reported the body. The worker reported that there was no doubt that the person was dead. Leaves were piled on top of the corpse in a lame attempt to conceal the body. Adams County deputies arrived at the scene. They observed the body of a female wearing black jeans, a black hoodie, black boots, and socks. Her body was covered in leaves. A single gunshot wound was visible in her head. Now, no identification was found with the body, but the Adams County authorities were quickly in touch with the Broomfield police who issued the be on the Lookout. They checked Natalie Bollinger's Facebook page. They see this distinctive tattoo, the distinctive hair prominently featured on the Facebook page. And sadly they're quick to be able to identify that the body is that of Natalie Bollinger
1: roughly 24 hours after Natalie went missing. Her body was found.
0: Sadly, it was not what anybody was hoping of course. And Natalie Bollinger was found within a half hour's drive from her home as said, it's obvious to police and first responders when they get to the scene that, she, that the victim is dead. Police contacted Natalie's family and had to break the tragic news to them. When the police and the coroner arrived on the scene, there would be reasons to consider maybe this was a suicide, but further examination with no gun found at the scene, and the impossibility of a body attempting to conceal itself with the leaves and whatnot it was obvious that this was a murder and the adams county sheriff's office and the broomfield police commenced on a joint homicide investigation
1: yeah it's not impossible that somebody commits suicide out in the woods somebody stumbles along and finds the weapon and takes it But it's just very unlikely.
0: Adams County Sheriff Mike McIntosh held a news conference in which he said there is a 26 hour time period that is missing where we don't have anyone who was talking to Natalie through social media or by text or in person or on the telephone. That's a crucial time we are looking at. If anyone came into contact with Natalie on the telephone or on social media, or there is a photo of her out there, those are all things that would be important to our investigation. So that's 26 hours, Captain, that is from the time that it is believed that she left the house, which would be about 12.30 p.m. the previous day, and then found the next day around 3 p.m., that next
1: afternoon. Yeah. And what law enforcement is hoping for, we have a 26 hour window. And if we can find somebody that talked to Natalie, we can shorten that timeline by, by a good amount.
0: During the news conference, McIntosh read a prepared statement from Natalie's father, Ted Bollinger, that read quote, our family has been deeply devastated by this loss and cannot fully express how much we miss our beautiful Natalie. Our hearts are absolutely broken, end quote.
1: Law enforcement is able to hone in on a suspect relatively quickly in Natalie's case. We
0: learn about this, Captain, at this press conference. So we have Sheriff McIntosh who said at the press conference that there was no threat to anyone in the community. And Deputy Michael Kaiser told the Denver Post on December 29th, quote, there are people of interest, but no suspects at this time. And quote, and that was true. Captain, the authorities already had some persons of interest in their sites, the very same day that Natalie was found. And with the comment about no threat to the community, they clearly suspected a targeted attack. And it looks like they probably had reason to
1: definitely. If you're law enforcement and you just start going back through her communications on text message, you can see that she feels like there was at least somebody in her life that was emitting a threat to her.
0: Okay. So let's address this persons of interest statement before we move on to someone who is an obvious suspect in my mind, in this case, and frankly, one bizarre dude, a person of interest in this case, of course, would be Natalie's boyfriend who she lived with. And some reports have the two as being engaged to get married. Natalie's boyfriend, Joseph, was looked at pretty good early in this investigation, but he was quickly cleared by detectives. And so they were able to move on to a more viable suspect at that time. The reason that they were able to move on from Joseph is at first they, they liked him for a suspect because he reports his girlfriend as missing. However, he does not tell police immediately that the gun that was in their apartment was also missing. Right. He didn't report this and he comes clean with them very quickly saying, look, I, I purposely withheld that information from you guys because I thought it would get Natalie in trouble. I want you to find her. I don't want her to get into any trouble. She's been having some issues and I don't want to create additional issues for her. So his heart was in the right place. Maybe not his mind, But it was with good intentions. And they also very quickly, they're able to confirm he was at work that entire day. They speak with several people that he works with. They all say, yes, Joseph was here. They have him on surveillance cameras on camera being at work during that time period that they are concerned with. So they are able to move on from Joseph very quickly because of all of this evidence.
1: And you say it all the time. The timeline is so important. And when you have a window of 26 hours, it's harder to get an alibi for a boyfriend or a friend or possibly a stalker. When you have such a, a large time frame, you you might be able to get an alibi for, four or five hours, but you, you need an alibi for basically 26. Police
0: were hip to all the rumors and accusations flying about online. Natalie's friends and family were posting about one person in particular, and the deputy's statement that they had persons of interest made only one day after Natalie was murdered implies that there was an obvious suspect at the time. The man the family was pointing to was the man that Natalie had received an order of protection against? The man she posted about online saying that this man was stalking her. The man who was now posting rants and strange comments online about Natalie. And that man's name is Sean Schwartz.
1: Yeah, you have a young female that is telling her boyfriend, telling her family, even went as far as to get a restraining order against this individual. And she goes missing. Obviously, this is the first person that law enforcement wants to talk to.
0: So let's keep in mind, our time in question here is late December. Natalie's Facebook page showed the following post made by her on December 13th, 2017. This is just two weeks before she went missing. And here's what it said verbatim. Hey, y'all, I have a public service announcement. There is a man, Sean Schwartz. I met this man when I was young. I ran into him about two years ago. Long story short, I became friends with him. I helped him out with rides and stuff. I moved to Virginia. He drove across country to see me, slept behind my work for weeks. When I told him I didn't want to see him anymore, he sent me hundreds of texts and calls. He parked his car in front of my house, blocking military highway for hours laying on his horn. He was arrested. Since then, I've asked him to leave me alone, and he won't. He's sent email for over a year close to every day harassing me, making numerous accounts until I block him again, threatening my family, telling me he'll kill himself in front of me, and sending my friends and family harassing messages as well. I'm sharing this because He's posted slander about me all over Facebook. So if you receive a message, I am sincerely sorry, please ignore him. It only encourages him when he gets a response, much like a child. He's mentally ill and I'm trying to fix this. And with that post, Captain, she included a screenshot of a photo someone had posted. The photo was of 42-year-old Sean Schwartz. Which showed a thin man with a scraggly beard and a half bald head, and he's he's like got this scowl on his face.
1: Yeah, he definitely looks uh, disheveled and like he's not taking care of himself. And like she stated, she believes that he's mentally ill. One of the reasons
0: Natalie might have cited in her request for a restraining order was a post from Schwartz on September 10th that read, "quote." Natalie, I wanted only the best for you. Now all I want is for you to go through the hell I've lived. I want to blow my head off in front of you. So close you can feel the warmth spatter of my blood on your face. I want you to feel every bit of my pain because you gave it to me and didn't care. You should not have pretended to care. End quote. Okay, so that's a lot. Uh, Someone's a little needy here.
1: That's a lot to unpack.
0: According to Natalie's loved ones, Natalie was very afraid of Sean Schwartz. And judging by the post, it's frankly, it's easy to see why.
1: Yeah, very easy to see why she would be afraid of Sean. These are not posts made by somebody in their right mind. This is definitely somebody that needs to get some help.
0: Police pulled Schwartz in very quickly and interviewed him at length. Sheriff McIntosh told the media, quote, we have talked to him. We are not ready to call anyone a suspect, but it's certainly a part of our investigation. The Daily Camera, which is a Boulder newspaper, many of you might remember us talking about them from our John Binet Ramsey coverage. They did a lot of terrific reporting in this case, in Natalie's case. They managed to get a comment from Sean Schwartz confirming that he had been questioned by police, but he wasn't arrested and no charges were forthcoming. But there was a lot of online activity accusing this guy, accusing Schwartz. This whole thing was playing out very publicly on Facebook. After all, Natalie herself, the victim, had posted on Facebook that she was being stalked by this man. And Schwartz himself was an incessant facebook poster who used the forum to air his crazy ramblings schwartz was mentally ill what exactly his diagnosis was is unclear he admitted only to having asperger's syndrome a disorder which placed him on the autism spectrum and tourette's syndrome which he blamed for poor communicative abilities according to him he received disability payments in excess of $700 a month because of these conditions. As a result, apparently he had nothing to do all day but post on Facebook and his YouTube channel. As we saw, he posted that very disturbing post about wanting to blow his brains out all over Natalie. And of course, it was not lost on anyone that Natalie had then died by being shot in the head.
1: Obviously, when people were concerned about her being missing, they were contacting Sean and he kept on saying, look, I had nothing to do with it. Just help find Natalie.
0: Natalie's friends and family and even people who weren't involved at all, they're all posting that they knew they're stating this online on Facebook and such. They knew that Schwartz was responsible for Natalie's murder. The news
1: media jumped in too. Well, look, this guy is definitely not stable. This guy definitely needs to be looked at as a person of interest, as there's other individuals that need to be looked at as a POI. But none of these individuals have a crystal ball.
0: With Heavy issuing one of their own, five things you need to know about Sean Schwartz. At first, Schwartz sort of kept it together posting that he was still trying to stay out of the way and let the cops do their jobs. And like the captain said, he's pointing out and saying online, I didn't kill anyone. But according to medium Schwartz created a fake Facebook account and posted in the comments on Natalie's post in which she had outed him as a dangerous stalker, his secret post He creates this fake account, Captain, so he can go in there and defend himself. Right. He's creating posts that's defending Sean Schwartz and implied that Natalie's family and friends knew exactly what had happened to her.
1: Well, again, he's mentally ill, so him defending himself it might come off making him look more guilty. He doesn't know that he's just adding fuel to the fire.
0: Yes. So everyone online piled on Schwartz, the stalker whose target was now a murder victim. Then after Schwartz's fake account is exposed for what it was, he starts posting back on his real account again. So do you want to talk about some of these posts here, captain? I never know how much of this stuff, this type of thing, the masses would want to hear. I think it's interesting. Okay. Without going through every crazy and often violent or even threatening post that this guy made, he said things like he would kill them all and he hopes that they will all die. At one point he makes claims that he was assaulted on more than one occasion by people accusing him of being responsible for Natalie's death. And then adds to that, that the police turned a blind eye when he went to them to report these assaults. So he's saying, these people aren't just accusing me online. I've been physically attacked out on the streets by people accusing me, and I've gone to the police and tried to file reports about these assaults, and the police are purposely looking the other way.
1: It's really hard to believe Schwartz anything he states, because also we we don't know the struggles that he is dealing with mentally. So it's really hard to believe him on anything.
0: He made a short YouTube video. Well, several short YouTube videos of himself ranting and raving about missing persons, other cases than Natalie's case, missing persons and in trafficking investigations. And that Natalie is evil and her family belongs in prison. Then you take that and you keep going back to the restraining order, right? You take all this activity that he's doing online And you cross-check that with this restraining order, Natalie got against this dude because he was totally off the rails even before Natalie went missing, before she was killed. And you got to be saying to yourself and everyone that is willing to listen that if it walks like a murderous duck and it quacks like a murderous duck, well, it probably is a murderous duck. New customers on first three-month plan only. Speed slower above 40 gigabytes on unlimited plan. Additional taxes, fees, and restrictions apply. See Mint Mobile for details. Everyone loves a good family mystery, especially one with as many twists and turns as June's Journey, a hidden object mystery game with a captivating detective story. It takes you back to the glamour of the 1920s with a diverse cast of characters, You'll step into the role of June Parker and search for hidden clues to uncover the mystery of her sister's murder. Use your observation skills to quickly uncover key pieces of information that lead to chapters of mystery, danger, and romance. And customize your very own luxurious estate island. Think expansive gardens and beautiful buildings. Collect scraps of information to fill your photo album and learn more about each character. And You can chat and play with or against other players by joining a detective club. Can you crack the case? Download June's Journey for free today on iOS and Android. June needs your help, detective. Download June's Journey for free today on iOS and Android.
1: All right, we are back. Cheers, mates. Cheers to you, Colonel.
0: Cheers, Captain. Cheers to all the people in the back. Online sleuths came up with what some were calling evidence, or at least online evidence, that Schwartz killed Natalie Bollinger. They noticed that his incessant Facebook post came to a screeching halt on December 28th, with a post about a missing child this around 3 a.m. that day. Then he remained offline for 19 hours. When he came back online, his first post was about Natalie being missing. This is at 9.50 p.m. on the 28th. And here we go, Captain. On January 9th, police arrested 37-year-old Sean Schwartz. But the arrest was not for murder.
1: So obviously with this arrest, a lot of people online go, well, law enforcement got their man. Seems like Schwartz was at his breaking point.
0: Yeah, because again, the arrest is not for the murder of Natalie Bollinger. What happened was all of this online warfare, as the captain said, pushed Schwartz to the breaking point. He was already showing signs of severe mental illness after Natalie was found and the public tide of accusation against him continued to grow, he increasingly and desperately posted about his innocence, that he had been unfairly convicted in the court of public opinion, and that he wanted to help bring the real killer to justice, but he continued to spiral and spiral out of control and finally posted on his Facebook page, quote, I am on my way at John's church in Boulder on 15th and spruce come out me in the ground. You effing cowards is basically, and I apologize for the broken English there, but I'm reading it verbatim as he posted it. So he's, he's, this is very dangerous behavior, right? So he's being accused by all these people. Clearly he's at his breaking point. Now he's challenging all these people.
1: Yeah. Challenging people. This is, this is scary, but it's also sad because you know that this man is mentally
0: ill. Th- this is where I'm going to be. This is where I'm going. Come at me. All of you come and join me here. And he says something about in the ground. And I imagine that is he's saying, I'm going to put anybody that comes after me in the ground. Right. So this is activity that the police are witnessing. They're they're watching it and they're monitoring this activity. They take this as an indication that Schwartz was going to either harm himself or harm other people. So they head over to his apartment for a welfare check. They knew that he was entangled in the Natalie Bollinger case, and they probably used this online post as an excuse to go and pay him a visit. This is from the Daily Camera. According to the arrest affidavit, Boulder police found Schwartz at St. John's Episcopal Church where he told officers he missed his friend, Bollinger, and wanted to talk to her but could not because she was dead. Officers were able to get Schwartz to go with them to Boulder Community Health's Foothills Hospital without incident. But once he was there, officers said he began screaming and yelling at the staff when he tried to leave the room and refused to listen to staff instructions police tried to place him under arrest. So he's trying to leave and flee. And they're like, no, you, you, you have to be here. According to the affidavit, Schwartz struggled with officers at one point, trying to kick and bite them. Officers were eventually able to get Schwartz into custody and transported him to jail. Now we should note too, that he had just one prior arrest in, in, in Boulder. This was for theft. So while he is saying a lot of violent and threatening statements online, this is not a guy with a lengthy police
1: record. No, but definitely a individual that's not stable. So again, he could hurt somebody, but he could hurt himself. And a lot of his posts are these wild, uh, aggressive posts. But then there's also videos of him where he's comes across as very you know, disheveled, uh, very meek, very timid. Uh, so this is a very difficult situation. And obviously this has to be difficult for friends and family members because you think law enforcement has to look at this guy. And this guy just makes sense that he's the one that's responsible.
0: Schwartz was charged with second degree assault on a peace officer obstructing a peace officer and resisting arrest. The cops did tell the judge that he was a murder suspect and upped the bail. But Sean Schwartz was released on a $5,000 personal recognizance bond, which a lot of people at the time thought was kind of surprising, but this would be unless he wasn't an actual murder suspect. After this whole incident, Schwartz denied that he had killed Natalie. He continued to deny that he killed Natalie. He posted online that cops scratched me off their list. Reportedly, he had receipts verifying that he had a rock-solid alibi for the 28th. And ID reported that Schwartz also claims that he was staying with a friend from December 26th through the period of when Natalie disappeared and then was later found.
1: Well, this makes it more difficult for her friends and family and law enforcement, because if you think this guy is responsible, you're also afraid that he might do something to himself and that maybe we never get answers in Natalie's case.
0: Well, and what's wild here in this case, Captain, and warranted in some way, is people online were furious. They're like, this guy so obviously killed this girl, killed this young woman. He needs to be arrested. This case isn't that difficult. What are these detectives doing? What is this sheriff's department doing? They're, they're not capable of solving this, clearly. And not only that, people online were furious that she had a restraining order against this guy, and they're like, look, the system failed to protect Natalie in life from this guy. And now in death, he's getting away with murder. He, he's not been arrested. He's not charged. And he's so obviously guilty. That's what everybody's screaming from the mountaintops online.
1: So let's dive more into who Natalie was. Natalie
0: Marie Bollinger was born on February 24th, 1998 and. Westminster, Colorado, to parents Rose and Ted Bollinger. She had a twin sister. Natalie graduated from Pathways High School in Colorado in 2017 and was accepted into a college nursing program with a scholarship. Her obituary reads, Natalie lived in Colorado, Rhode Island, and Virginia. Natalie was a gifted and talented artist that had been drawing since she could first grasp a crayon. She loved animals and nature. She treated everyone and everything with respect and dignity, no matter their station or circumstances. Okay. So that's the information from Natalie's obituary put together by her mother. But it has to be said that it appears the truth was a little bit darker. Her, We reviewed Natalie's Facebook post for several years before her death and sadly she had some demons there are references to drug addiction and self-mutilation there were several car accidents including one which was possibly a suicide attempt she talks about people letting her down frequently on facebook and on the other hand though there are there are so many positive posts as well about her artwork and about Buddhist principles and Zen mantras, how proud she was to graduate from high school and how excited she was for college life. But then there was her childhood, which was not great to put it plain and simple. We, we got a lot to get through. So I think we will stick to the investigation here. Captain, if we find that the investigation takes us to something related to her earlier family life or her childhood, we will cycle back. But only if relevant to the case. So let's get right back to the where the investigation is leading us, right? We still have Mr. Sean Schwartz. He's eager to prove that he and Natalie were actually friends before everything went south. Sean Schwartz posted something like 100 screenshots of messages between the two of them. So he's trying to point out to people like, hey, Not only did I not kill this young woman, not only did I not do what you're accusing me of doing, but at one time we were actually friends. I might be hurting too, having lost Natalie. These messages dated back to 2015 and in them, the two seem to be unburdening themselves about their lives and finding support in each other and in each other's posts and really kind of consulting each other and helping each other through their troubles.
1: Well, when you're dealing with mental health issues and you find somebody else that has dealt with some of the same stuff as you, you, you feel less alone. So you feel like you have a partner and, and you feel that you can be open and honest with maybe some of these struggling thoughts that you have.
0: Well, and we've said it time and time again, the captain is a huge proponent and even some people's heroes for uh, mental health. But here's the thing. This is such a human thing. This is such a human experience. If you're having weird thoughts or if you're, if you're living in a, in a dark period, talk to somebody it's, it's human there. It's don't be afraid to address these issues because Everybody has them. There is not, if anybody tells you that they lived their entire life with no mental health concerns at all, not even for a brief moment, they're lying to you. It's human. Talk to somebody. You'll find support. You'll find somebody that may even be experiencing the very same thing and can help you through it. And so that's what Natalie was attempting to do here. That's what Sean was attempting to do here. And it appears that they were able to help each other in some form or fashion at least early in their
1: friendship. Well, a lot of people have heard this analogy before, but you know, we need to talk more open and openly and honestly about mental health and our struggles, but also when we get better, when we overcome some of those struggles. And so when you're talking to your friend, If your friend came up to you and said, hey, I broke my arm, you'd say, you probably need to go see a doctor. You probably need to see a professional to get that fixed. This needs to be standard conversation. Somebody saying, I'm dealing with some dark, tough issues, and I'm dealing with some mental health issues, and we need to get better at saying, hey, I'm there for you. I care about you, and and you, you should go seek treatment.
0: Natalie apparently met Sean Schwartz in the park. It seems likely that at the time, based off of everything that we are seeing that Natalie was involved in drugs at that time, she did get sober. And even after getting sober, she maintained a friendship with Sean. That's, that's just a fact. I know a lot of people don't like this Sean Schwartz character, but it's a fact that they were in fact, Friends are friendly at one time. She's trying to help this guy and she's providing services for him that he needs. You know, things like helping him with a ride somewhere from time to time and the verbal and emotional support by exchanging these messages. Now, at some point, this is in 2016, they had a falling out, which ended this friendship. Schwartz reportedly claimed in one of his videos online that it was because he had posted personal information about Natalie. This is personal information that she had shared with him and he ends up posting this online and making it public. So we can see and certainly understand why they had a falling out. Right. After her death, Sean tried to explain away the whole alleged stalking thing too. this to heavy.com com. He says, quote, I have a flip phone that proves I was invited to Virginia by Natalie. We had no sexual relationship. I was her friend. I went to Virginia because Natalie got into a car accident within 24 hours of telling me she wanted to kill herself. That's why I went there. We were friends. End quote.
1: Yeah, like you said, some people don't want to hear it, but they both obviously had a friendship at some point, and at some point they were both Dependent on each other.
0: All of these statements are true, right? It's true. Natalie did get into a bad accident totaling her car and the two had been friends. But clearly what it's so obvious to all of us and unfortunately was not ever obvious to Mr. Schwartz, Natalie's impressions of him had completely changed at some point. The friendship went south and she became afraid of him. Right. She moves back to Colorado from Virginia in 2016. You can see it's not, sadly we cannot interview Natalie to find out were these moves to get away from him or were there a whole lot of other factors involved in, in the decision-making. Right. At the time. Natalie's parents contentious relationship was obvious and evident from the planning of her funeral. As reported by Investigation Discovery on January 8th, Ted her father announced that funeral services for Natalie would be held the following day, but later announced that services had been canceled due to quote issues with funding. In the state of Colorado, you must have both parents agree to all funeral plans and cemetery arrangements. They must also agree on funds coming from the district attorney's office. Heath Carroll Managing partner of the funeral home wrote in a Facebook post, This may be funds from the burial assistance program for low income families. He wrote that Natalie's parents had been unable to reach an amicable agreement, so the services were
1: canceled. And it might show you a little bit of a glimpse of what Natalie was dealing with with some of the struggles and the fighting between her family members.
0: On January 11th, Natalie's mother, Rose Kelly, and her side of the family announced that memorial services would be held in Virginia on January 13th. A funeral was held for Natalie at the Church of St. Teresa in Chesapeake. She says, quote, I am proud she was mine, Rose Self told 10 on your side news. All of the work that she had done This is Rose talking about her daughter, Natalie, all of the work that she had done and all of the plans she made and everything. She was about to get catapulted into all of that. And she was super excited for her life. End quote. This, we, we discuss her having some dark times and having some dark periods in her past, but there was also You know, life is a series of peaks and valleys. We all go through the peaks. We all go through the valleys. And Rose, her mother, is trying to point out, yes, she had some of this dark stuff in her life, but she had all these other things that she was excited about, that she was planning for. She was trying to plan for the future, and she was excited about going to school, and she was excited about starting this portion of her life. It also goes to show that, This this is the parents. This is her family. This is her friends and loved ones trying to accept the situation and trying to understand this horrible situation that they have found themselves in.
1: thank everybody for joining us here in the garage stay tuned till tomorrow so much more left in this case and until then
0: be good be kind and don't litter